Welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week, we are going to cover a couple of horrible bills being advanced by the GOP super-duper majority in Frankfurt. Uh, one, criminalizing homelessness. Uh, a second, rejecting anti-racism efforts. Happy MLK Day. We'll also check in on some GOP hypocrisy on MLK Day. Uh, then, really excited to bring on friend of the show, Representative Sherilyn Stevenson, who, in addition to representing the Mighty 88th, uh, my district, she is also in House leadership as the minor- Minority Caucus Chair. Uh, we're going to look forward to catch up with her on whether she sees some hope in this current session, uh, where you know the, the priorities are for, uh, for the Democratic Party uh, in the House. Uh, and then we're going to close with our call to action. Of course, it's during the session. It's going to be focused on Frankfurt. Get your, uh, you know, get your dialing fingers all warmed up because we're going to ask you to make a phone call. Uh, but before we do that, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Uh, folks, I'm going to admit it. I still see hope in our state. I still recall very fondly uh, the the awesome results from November, uh, that re-election of Governor Andy Bashir. We cannot lose sight, though, of the fact that we have sent him back to a governor's mansion that is in Frankfurt, which uh, is uh, confronted and confounded by the GOP super-duper majority in the legislature. We cannot lose sight of the fact that there's still lots of work to do in our state to win better electoral outcomes for our Commonwealth. We hope that you will support Progress Kentucky and our efforts to do just that. Make a contribution right now via our secure online website, uh, Act Blue, to help turn Kentucky purple. $5, $50, $500. It's all welcome. It all adds up. And none of it is tax deductible. Uh, but I uh, hope you can uh, support us. Let's check in with our co-hosts. Uh, let us know who you are, where you are. What are you protesting today? We just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Are you focused on his vision of equality and justice you there on the internet, we mean you as well. Let's hear what you're protesting today. Uh, feel free to put it in the chat while we are sharing ours. Uh, and I'm going to say, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg uh, in uh, in the frigid Lexington, uh, Kentucky. Uh, my, my protest sign says today, uh, rough sleeping is not a crime. Uh, stop uh, HB, uh, HB5. Stop HB5. Uh, teaser there. Uh, all right. Uh, how about, how about Nima? Nima, are you there? I am here from the lovely wood Kenwood Drive here in Lexington, Kentucky, frigid as well. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of aggravated by a lot of things. I think we're at day maybe 12 of the general assembly, maybe for 2024, but mostly today, my protest sign is 
enough with winter already. I'm done with it. And hey, MTI is great, but I'm I'm pretty much ready for my child to go go back to school. So that needs to happen as soon as possible. You did get the text, right? They're not going back tomorrow. They're got one more day of NTI at least. I know. I'm, I mean, okay. I mean, all right. So I just wish if it's going to snow, let's just get it over with. A big, like, a foot. Yeah. And then let's just call it and go into spring. <laughs> protesting That's just what I'm the weather. <laughs> is protesting the weather. I am. <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, I'm old. Sometimes I'm old. I think maybe it's just as effective as protesting <laughs> the legislature. Really. Correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, those NTI days, man, did not keep them occupied nearly long enough to get no. any work done in the house, no. that's for sure. No. Uh, and then checking in with our, our second, third, rather, co-host of the evening, uh, Kimberly Cecil Jones, not having to worry about the snow days for you anymore. What, what are you protesting today? Uh, first of all, I just want to say, I thought I heard Nima say UTI, and I said, what? <laughs> UTI. Definitely worth protesting. What in the ham sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know what she was. Okay, so you meant NTI. Okay, I don't have kids in school anymore, so sometimes, you know, things get a little mixed up. But uh, my protest sign says today, um, you know, let's leave no child behind. Leave no child behind. That is my protest sign today because I feel like here in Kentucky, already being almost at the bottom as far as educationally, uh, we have to set up our young people to succeed. And the only way we can do that is through education. And I still believe that the Republicans uh, in Frankfurt do want us sick, ignorant, and poor. So that's my sign. Leave no child behind. And maybe, maybe married to your cousin. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, all right. So apparently Annabelle Nagel, our wonderful producer, is protesting me today. I don't, I don't know what I've done, but uh, I'm sure I'll find out later. Uh, all right. So let's get into uh, news of the week. Uh, it is a uh, holiday shortened week for many of us, but that did not stop the GOP super duper majority uh, from making some trouble in Frankfurt. So let's check in. I think the first story comes to us from Kimberly Cecil Jones. Kimberly, what you got? Yes, talking primarily about Louisville. Uh, There was an anti-crime bill that was filed uh, by our Louisville Republican lawmakers and uh, on Tuesday that the state actually uh, should be making investments to help uh, keep Kentuckian, Kentuckians out of jail, not send more of them to prison. So House Bill 5, which everybody is calling the Safer Kentucky Act. Um, however, uh, it's a priority piece of legislation for the Republicans. Uh, it's undergone way, way too many changes, so to speak, uh, since it was first publicly discussed in a September press conference. It includes a three-strike law, uh, which was implemented uh, quite some time ago federally by our president, Bill Clinton. Three strikes, you're out, was what it was called. Um, And this is for violent felonies. Uh, We have measures to prevent street camping near businesses, 
uh, homes and other public spaces and felony carjacking statues. So the bill, which has about 45 Republicans co-sponsoring it, including the majority whip, uh, Jason Nemus of Middletown, right here in Jefferson County. And um, it generated a lot of opposition even before it was officially filed in the House last week. But on Tuesday, a collection, which was yesterday, a collection of Kentucky groups, uh, such as the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, the Coalition for the Homeless, the Louisville Urban League, uh, the Kentucky Equal Justice Center, Kentucky Council of Churches, and many more held a press conference criticizing the legislation. The director of policy for the Louisville Urban League, which is Felicia Newman, who I know, uh, she used to be an assistant uh, Commonwealth's attorney right here in Jefferson County. So she does know the law. And she said in the press conference, basically, that uh, this, is, this is a very bad policy uh, position that they're trying to pass. She added that carjacking is currently covered under an existing felony uh, of charges right now. I mean, we already have something for carjacking um, and that increasing punishments and the reclassification of crimes is totally unnecessary. Uh, we just cannot continue to incarcerate everyone. Um, it's purely a remote emotional response um, Felicia said, and we should only incarcerate people for long periods of time if we feel like they're going to be violent and do, um, you know, heinous acts um, in the state. So the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy is a progressive think tank found um, in 2022 that Kentucky jails were over uh, capacity with about 21,831 people incarcerated in jails. Uh, by the end of April, along with an additional 9,835 people incarcerated in uh, state prisons. So the recent crime data shows that the state had a decrease of 17.9% in homicides between 2021 and 2022. So Jared Bauman uh, of Louisville uh, tell reporters that more co-sponsors are expected to join the legislation in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but the Kentucky State uh, Fraternal Order of Police, the Union for Police, uh, they're actually saying right here that um, they plan to testify in favor of the legislation uh, when it has a committee hearing. And the organization expressed support for the bill of course. So with the ACLU, uh, reporters were told last week that the bill is not focused on what really makes Kentucky safe. Um, it's just going to uh, amp the ante on incarceration numbers. Um, so everyone, some people are saying that we already have laws that will address anything and everything. And then the majority of the Republicans in Frankfurt are saying, no, we need to redo these laws. So um, I want to ask them a question, actually. Uh, the three strikes are out. How did that work out? Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. It didn't work out very well at all. Um, and then it brought about the private prison system. We all know that uh, when you are paroled or you serve out your time, whether it be federal or state, they basically have a bed ready for you because the system is set up to fail. So, you know, uh, Boffman said that he welcomes uh, the legislation as it moves forward. And he added that he hopes that they help put forward the most effective policy for our state. Um, we do want to be strong. I do agree with that. We do want to hold violent criminals accountable. And I'm all for that. But uh, we want it to be very effective as well. Everyone is welcomed at a seat at the table to do a conversation about this. Uh, notify your local and your state uh, elected officials and let them know uh, that we don't need actual other um, crime bills, so to speak, to take care of things that we already have in place. And as we well know, uh, when you do this three times uh, situation without social or economic basic tenants, for under individuals, underserved individuals, I would like to say, because that is what is going to be filling up our prisons, uh, basically brown and black folks and people that are underserved and under economics and undereducated and so on and so forth. So um, that's my story tonight. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all when it comes to the GOP in Frankfurt or even in my own city. So I don't know. Back to you, Aaron. Uh, thanks, Kimberly. Yeah, so that's, a you know, I think it's a distressing bill on a lot of levels. You ran through so many challenges, right? It's just, I think at its core, as you noted, like three strikes laws don't work, right? They've never been proven to do what you want with a crime bill, which is decrease the criminal rate, right? The, uh, so, you know, they don't work on that front. The idea that you would like make it illegal to be homeless, you know, adding in additional fines and penalties and criminal charges to folks who sleep outside just seems, uh, you know, heartless. And, um, you know, as, as Annabelle noted, uh, she had a friend freeze to death, a homeless friend freeze to death uh, in Versailles. You know, she works at Spark Community Cafe, which, uh, you know, wants to help folks in need. And I think it's, you know, tragic to see you know, see what what's happening out there. And it's, this is not a bill to increase public uh services for those folks at all right it's you know uh and they'll they'll definitely want to say i'm sure that the the sponsor will say things that, that that you know tries to get at their compassion for the people who are sleeping outside but you know that's not associated with uh, additional resources i don't know uh, Nemo, i like to, bring, like to yeah. bring up something as well um here in louisville the homeless situation has become so bad and and and, and it's just getting worse by the day. Uh, now it's spreading out to some of the more affluent areas. Everybody's up in arms. But I mean, like, is this, I don't even, I don't know if this is correct to say or not, but when I was in St. Louis, they have a very big um, homeless population, but their homeless population, they don't have like so much trash and stuff. Uh, I went down Broadway, which is the main street here in Louisville, and underneath the Vidocs, it was like trash upon trash. It, it it was it looked horrible, and I don't think that because you're homeless, 
um, you have to have a lot of trash. So um, whatever St. Louis is doing as far as that's concerned, maybe that's something we need to look at as well. And here in Louisville, we do have a white flag, um, which is in effect right now, where there are teams of volunteers that go pick up uh, our homeless, uh, churches are open, different things of that nature. And also let us not forget that a lot of the homeless population, um, it has been known and it is um, stated by the data that a lot have severe mental illness. So we have to think about that. We also have to think about, you think homeless people don't have money, but they spend a lot not every last one of them, of course, but a majority of them are using illicit drugs, um, serious narcotic drugs, uh, meth, heroin, and the like. And um, a lot of times, a lot of the homeless people, they don't want to go to different programs because maybe that program requires you to learn about Jesus or to learn about Muhammad or whomever. And a lot of them that's not what they want to do. They rather stay outside than um, some of those situations. And maybe those organizations, like if you want to hear about Jesus, you can hear about Jesus, but let's just feed and clothe and house everyone that we possibly can, no matter if they're a believer or not. All right. Yeah, I just don't, I, you know, I, I just, you know, every time I think that we um, can't be any more cruel, uh, then we do something like this. And I mean, you know, it's almost to the point where you just wonder where the bottom is. Um, and, and, and every time I think we've hit it, then we hit, get hit with something like this. And I, I keep going back to this. I remember a time not too long ago when I believe Jason Nemus stood up and was trying to get more people out of jails in this state and was trying to decriminalize some things. If I'm not mistaken, that was probably around 2019, 2020, where he was trying to do something with the population, uh, the prison population. Um, and I could have dream, dreamed that, but I, I don't think I did. Um, and now we see what's happened. And, you know, it's just really sad. It's just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just... It's outrageous that they've got a bill that they are talking a lot about homelessness, right? These Republicans who are pushing it forward. And, you know, we hear uh, Kimberly's concerns about what's going on in Louisville. But is the answer making it like illegal to be out there? Or is the answer, you know, flooding these areas with services and ensuring that we get people you know, into situations that, you know, give them the treatment they need, that give them the resources to get a roof over their head, you know, in a way that works, right? There's like a million models out here, out there. Uh, and, you know, the idea, though, that you're going to punish people uh, without providing resources for that home is, is you know, it's just disgusting, really. Uh, but yeah. Uh, all right. So we got other stories to cover. Uh, Nima, I think you got another bill that's uh, that's there in Frankfurt that's mo moving. As over. equally disgusting. Equally so bad. again, I go back to this. Five years ago, in 2019, uh, they um, in the Senate, the House passed this sweeping safety bill for schools, basically in response to what happened in Marshall County at Marshall County High School after the shooting there. And it basically put, you know, as man, mandated SROs in the classrooms and also really focused on mental health 
and um, what what we call trauma-informed schools and trauma-informed care and education. Uh, basically, that was applauded by everybody. I mean, it, it got a full-blown, I don't think anybody voted against it in the House or in the Senate, which you know is basically unheard of uh, now in these political times. So now, fast forward five years later, Senator Stephen Meredith of Litchfield, in his infinite wisdom, um, has filed Senate Bill 93, which in part would remove the language around any emphasis on supporting all students based on the trauma-informed uh, methods. Why? Because apparently within the last five years, trauma-informed methods now could lead to the scary, scary DEI, which has now become, for you all that have been not playing at home, DEI is last year's CRT, which is last, the year before last, Antifa. So I'm just trying to like get all these you know, acronyms and stuff together for you guys so you'll know what to be afraid of. I don't know what the letters are going to be that we're supposed to be afraid of next session. If I hear, we'll keep you all posted. But basically what we've got here is within five years, five years, the entire Senate and the House majority have basically lost their minds. And I say that because this is how quickly the whiplash has been. You all, I'm just going to be honest as I possibly can be. We are in trouble because we have people who are listening to people who are just spinning complete and total nonsense online. And the tail is wagging the dog. <laughs> Our elected officials in Frankfurt are creating policies, laws, and writing bills based on what some internet wackadoo has decided is today's conspiracy. None of these things are happening. We are basically taking away, taking away any ability to connect with students in classrooms as human beings to connect with them and show them that we care. I'm going to give you an example. Let's say a fourth grade child's parents are getting divorced. And we see them in the classroom as a para or as a teacher. We see that they're struggling with that divorce. Guess what? Piss on them. Who cares? Keep working, Johnny. It doesn't matter. That is exactly what they are expecting classroom teachers. Before, it was the expectation of the best teachers get to know their students. The best teachers care about their students. Now it is the best teachers need to avoid any interactions with their students because, by God, we cannot have you push off your DEI stuff on our kids without parents knowing. Please, Parents will tell the teachers, you know what, me and Johnny's dad are getting a divorce, so that might be why. We are making, we are, first of all, we're acting like parents are idiots. And let's just be honest here. Some of them might be, but the majority are not. Okay? 
So first of all, you're acting like all of the parents are idiots. They're not. Most parents trust their teachers. It's just about 15% who are making the loudest bit of noise and who are now hurting kids. All kids. All of them. And let me be clear. Eventually, they will hurt your kid. And when that happens, Stephen Meredith, when they hurt your grandchild, then how will you feel? How will you feel then? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the check always comes due, my friend. Always comes due. So while you're out here chasing this DEI boogeyman, the check will come due. So this is terrible. What we are doing right now based on conspiracies and craziness will come back. The chickens will come home to roost, and I'm going to say it'll be in less than five years. Less than five. I'm pretty upset about this bill. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrific bill. Uh, it also flies in the face of the actual funding uh, legislation that the, the GOP in their budget. They actually, the, the, they, they will fund trauma-informed teaching at schools, right? So they clearly, right hand, left hand, didn't communicate very clearly there. But, you know, it's just, it's just gross, right? It's just gross. Well, and they want you to say you can't take any oath unless it's for the Constitution. Do they realize that we say the Pledge of Allegiance? That's not the oath to the Constitution. Are we no longer going to say the Pledge of Allegiance in the schools to start the day? Also, does that mean that the Republicans can't sign that little oath card that they're always so happy to sign that says they don't believe in these certain things? That's an oath card. Or is it just, I don't even know what they're doing, you all. Everything is off of fear, hate, and really a sick, sick mentality. Like one minute they say racism doesn't exist, and the next minute they're like, oh, we don't want to. I mean, it's crazy town. It's crazy town. And the fact that Stephen Meredith can look anybody in the face, knowing, and I pulled it up, y'all, he voted for that safety bill. And now he's trying to kill half of it. And now Max Wise, you know what he's doing? Because he was the sponsor of the safety bill. Y'all, he's tap dancing. He's tap dancing right now, trying to figure out a way to get around that. But you know what? I guarantee you he'll vote for SB 93 if it ever makes it to the floor. You wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's rough. Uh, rough going there when they're, you know, the fear factory needs new, you know, it needs, it needs the material to keep people... Uh, you know, shivering but in you're their hurting kids. You're hurting kids. Mental health. All they talk about is the mental health. Every time there's a school shooting, what do they say? Mental health. But then what are they trying to do? Slam the door on any mental health care for these kids in the schools. Well, it's ridiculous. I, mean, I, think, I think they proved last session with SB 150. They do not care about kids and their no. mental health. You know, they do not care about that. That's not a motivating factor for them. It's just, again, one more boogeyman that they can kind of feed up there and get people uh, freaked out. Uh, grievance politics coming home to the GOP so they can, you know, rally their troops. Absolutely. Yeah. Compassion doesn't work with these characters. You know, uh, Kimberly, anything you want to add on that one? Just all of this. This is why we, why we lost that great man. 
the one that was the um commissioner was he the commissioner jason glass ah uh, yeah. Because of this right here, educators can't educate. Children can't grow up in an environment where they feel safe at school uh, with their educators. And educators mm -hmm. probably might be backing up a little bit, which can sometimes appear aloof, only because they're afraid of the lawsuits that could come. But I will tell you this, that once again, what do they want to do? They want to make keep you sick keep you poor and what's the other one keep you keep you sick and poor and keep you i know the third one what's my well, third one? yeah they want to keep you, you scared yeah. dumb yeah keep you dumb i had a little delta eight excuse me i had to <laughs> talk about that i was like oh my god <laughs> it was so bad Oh my God. And then you just think about the kids today. And then, you know, you look at them like, okay, this is our future. Then, you know, I just, oh my mm -hmm. God. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, this week, the uh, really important day for a lot of people, uh, you know, certainly for Republicans on Twitter. Uh, they love to make sure that everyone knows they are marking this day. Uh, ignore the legislation that we've just discussed. Uh, ignore the kind of, you know, very patent kind of anti-blackness uh, embedded in their agenda. Uh, and, you know, very clearly anti anything that's anti-racist, right? Uh, status quo is, is what they want. They don't want things that are going to uh, fix where, where we are. Um, and, you know, never seemed to really, you know, as Bernice King said on Twitter, you know, talking about her father, he was not assassinated because he wanted his children to be judged by the content of their character. He was assassinated because he was working to dismantle racism, poverty, and militarism. Uh, he wanted corrective measures to eradicate racism, not the delusion that it doesn't exist. The delusion that it doesn't exist, uh, very pointed and very, I think, much pointed at the GOP. Uh, who's more than happy to pretend racism does not exist. Here we have the Kentucky Senate majority very much honoring the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I think uh, obviously, uh, obviously they're honoring that legacy with, you know, SB 93, uh, which we have just discussed. Uh, of course, the Republican Party of Kentucky celebrating uh, MLK celebrating MLK with an agenda that, you know, seeks to eradicate the, uh, the work that he has put in. Uh, Dan Cameron, of course, took to Twitter to, uh, to, to memorialize the day. Dan Cameron, of course, who said he never experienced any racism. Dan Cameron, of course, who is right now working for the 1792 exchange, working to bring our country back to the great time of 1792 when slavery was legal. Uh, you know, really absolutely just tone deaf, but, you know, had to get in there on Twitter and make sure to commemorate MLK Day. Uh, and then uh, Michael Adams doubled down, wasn't just talking about the I Have a Dream speech, but retweeted somebody saying how important it is to read the letter from Birmingham Jail, which he says is one of the greatest American political writings on par with Major Link's, uh, Lincoln's speeches and is a must read. I will concur. Uh, I think it is a political and faith uh, writing that is, you know, I think we should expand the Bible 
include it uh, in the Bible. The letter from the Birmingham jail where he excoriates, excoriates the, you know, the white moderate uh, preacher class uh, of Birmingham who have, you know, told him to stand down. Uh, you know, it is a, it's an incredibly powerful, powerful uh, writing. Uh, the man was absolutely a prophet. Uh, and uh, Michael Adams, of course, is a campaign attorney for Nikki Haley who says America has never been a racist nation. So yeah, a little, just a little tone deaf, I think, jumping on the MLK bandwagon. Uh, but that's, you know, that's what we have Twitter for, I think, is to, is to, to help us with those moments. All right, so uh, any thoughts about Twitter hypocrisy or uh, anything we want to discuss with our crew? I do. Oh, let's hear it. I, I, first of all, I think next year, Maybe I should break down the I have a dream speech because I don't think anybody that hasn't really thoroughly um, studied um, and let us be very respectful, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Takes a lot to get your doctorate in anything. So people do not understand how hated he was. He was one of the most hated men in America. More than 50% of black folks didn't like him. Oh, there he go with all that stuff. Now my boss, you know, she mad, you know, uh, what we, now we can't ride the bus. How are we going to get to work? It was a very famous person that said that, uh, I can't remember the, the person, but they said that you want to be famous and have everything, all the flowers given to you, then just die. That was Bernie Mac who said that. Bernie Mac, the comedian. He's the one that said that. And it was true for Dr. Martin Luther King, and it is true for Bernie Mac as well. Um, as far as what is going on with these Republicans, um, they are tone deaf, uh, Aaron, most definitely tone deaf, because of the simple fact that Dr. Martin Luther King talked also about this country and what it could be. And he also used everything in his disposal to make sure that all of us, not just black folks, but he said, poor whites, um, the uneducated, let's get them educated, the sick, let's get them, you know, get them well, whatever the case may be. But as you can tell, when you're dealing with Frankfurt's finest, they're hypocritical. And I think it's, as a black woman, I think it's downright offensive to me. Uh, amen. Uh, all right. So we are, uh, we're now, I think, moving into our interview. Very excited to bring on uh, a friend of the show. I think maybe he's been on the show more than anyone besides, you know, the folks you're looking at here and Doug and Nate. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, very honored to have the House Minority Caucus Chair, Representative Sherilyn Stevenson, Representative of the Great 88th, my district, stretching from Childsburg all the way to Scott County, a very <laughs> uniquely shaped district uh, that she won, uh, despite all uh, the GOP efforts to perhaps make that uh, harder. 
Uh, and uh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being back on the show. And yeah, just we we love we love to check in with you during the session, kind right. of hear how it how it feels. You know, we just we watch the bills. You know, Nima's there. She sees what's happening. I don't go. Um, you know, unless there's a very big rally, I'll I'll come. But yeah. uh, but you're there behind enemy lines. How are things going there in the legislature? Um, well, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, ladies. It's good to see you as well. Um, you know, honestly, it's it's been really slow so far. So we're just starting to see some things move in the house. Um, so so far, it has been pretty um, collegial. I, I kind of hate to say that, but uh, it's all about to hit the fan tomorrow. <laughs> there has been a special call judiciary meeting uh, upon adjournment tomorrow. House Bill Five is going to be heard. Um, we suspect that then we will vote on that on the floor on Friday. So um, you know. All those sis boom bah, rah rah rah, forward Kentucky together um, is is going to come to a screeching halt. Obviously, they dropped the the House budget this week as well, um, and it's a huge document. So we're starting to pour through that, but uh, unfortunately, seeing some of the ineptitudes in that um, lack of vision that we saw in Governor Bashir's bill, um, just a lot of needs that are not going to be met by that budget. So. Um, you know, we're just really starting to get our hands dirty. It's day 11. We have um, 49 days to go. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're gearing up for the fight. We know that we've got a, a big fight coming on a, on a lot of things. We know that it's very likely that we can't stop a lot of things. But right now we are there to be the loyal opposition to um, raise as much heck as we possibly can and let the people know what's actually happening. Try to pull the cover back um, and, and just try to throw as many bombs as we can and slow down the process as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I'll turn to my uh, coast just a moment. But, you know, if we could. Dig in on HB5 a little bit. So you think uh, there'll be a hearing tomorrow, a special kind of hearing of the Judiciary Committee, uh, and then we could see a floor vote on that as early as Friday? Um, yes, I mean, it, it. and so again, they're saying upon adjournment, so we won't go back into session tomorrow night, but we think it could come as early as Friday. Historically, we have seen that some of the more controversial bills do get heard on a Friday. Um, so not a huge surprise. However, it did not get a referral today and it did not get a reading on the floor. So tomorrow when it's heard in committee will be its first reading. So, um, if we do hear it on Friday, they will have to suspend a reading in order to do so. So we'll see. Yep. Okay. Any thoughts about that, that bill? Uh, and you know, have, has the overall house Democrats taken a position on it or, um, obviously it's, it's, it's a it's a terrible bill. It's a it's a heartbreaking bill um, to criminalize homelessness. Um, the provision in there um, that specifies that people have to be in treatment in order to get housing. Um, you know that that there's a, a this huge housing first initiative that brings about fifty million dollars a year into the state um, that would completely go away if. Um, if this bill passes in its current form, um, then that's a lot of money uh, out the window that we have no way to backfill. Um, so that's a huge concern of ours right now. Obviously, criminalizing homelessness is one of the most heartless things that we can possibly think about. Um, so it's just it's a really hard bill to digest. It's such a large bill. It covers so many things. Um, you know, it, it probably should be 
10 different bills or heck more than that. Um, but it just, it just doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we just, just passed the bill to, um, raise the, the, one of the felony thresholds from $500 to a thousand dollars. Now we're bringing it right back down. Um, we've put a more, there's a, a moratorium right now on new prisons and, and money for prisons, but yet we're about to start putting all of these people back in prison. Um, so that makes us wonder, so is this just a pipeline for private prisons now? Is that what this is going to turn out to be? If, if, if there's a, a spending moratorium on prisons for public money. So, you know, there's just, it's like a treasure trove of terrible things in this bill. So um, it's really heartbreaking. And, you know, I, of all people, uh, there were, what, 12 different commercials that ran about me last year, 12 different versions of a commercial that called me soft on crime, um, especially after my my own vehicle had been stolen. Um, so, you know, I, I am prepared to have to wear that moniker again this year during um during election season, they can call me soft on crime if they want to, but this is a terrible bill um, and has just a lot of really bad things in it. Um, a lot of things that we, that are proven not to work. Um, so I'll be a no for sure. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for the update on that and that timing piece. Very important that folks, uh, if they're going to weigh in, which they should, yes. uh, then they should do it tomorrow. Uh, yes. That's the kind of teaser for our call to action, uh, which is coming up. Uh, Kimberly, I think you have a question for the representative. Yes, I do. I just love her. I just oh, do. She's so wonderful. Um, did I see you at the Wendell Ford last year? I think so. Yes, that's probably oh, the last okay. time that we saw each other in person. Yeah, yeah. I think that was, yeah, I'm going to be the chair uh, this year as well. Oh, great. Just to let you know. But anyway, getting back to uh, what we're supposed to be asking you. Uh, Sherlyn, is there any, I mean, just anything going on in the house that would, you could say that it's a bipartisan collaboration? Um, actually, there is. Um, so just today, there was a press conference led by uh, Rep. Kim Mosier um, for her momnibus bill. So there was uh, a whole group of bipartisan ladies from the House and the Senate that um, got together during all of the intro monthly um, to come up with some issues that would address maternal and infant uh, health and uh address the maternal mortality rates, things like that. So we have come together and the bill was uh, filed today. Like I said, there was a press conference about it. A huge portion of that bill actually uh, came from Representative Sarah Stalker out of Louisville. It was a bill that she carried last year that would make pregnancy um, a, a special event that would qualify someone to enroll in health insurance. Um, so it is not considered that right now. And obviously we know access to care is one of the best things that we can do to, to help decrease uh, maternal uh problems during pregnancy for moms and the babies. Um, there's a lot of other pieces in this as well. Um, so that is probably the biggest piece of bipartisan um, legislation that you're going to see this year. Obviously, everybody knows, you know, so many, so many bills pass every single year that has bipartisan support. We pass a lot of, a lot of things. Um, 
and, and they pass with hardly anybody voting no, but it's the really big meaty bills that are contentious that get all of the all of the media attention. And so it appears like we are up there, you know, really battling it out and and going against each other a lot when honestly we aren't. It's just those, you know, maybe 10, 12 pieces of legislation that really cause the most strife. Um, but buddy, do they know how to pick them when they when they choose one for us to fight about? They know what they're doing right now. Um, so yeah, so there's a there's a lot of good stuff that we're gonna do um, and that will come along. But that that momnibus bill is probably the biggest thing that um, can make the biggest impact um, for our moms and babies right now. And we're really proud of that work. That's awesome. Also, super catchy. I love that, uh, that momnibus. Uh, Nima, you got a question? I do, and of course, it's going to be about public ed. Yes. However, I will say this. When I was in Frankfurt today, I got on the elevator, mm -hmm. and Mosier was on the elevator. Yes. And if anybody knows, Mosier hates my guts. And the reason why is because I had a very robust discussion with her about the medical marijuana bill a couple of sessions ago. And she made a very disparaging remark about me in the fact that she said that, of course, I would be for medical marijuana, assuming that I, you know, I guess looked like some kind of dopehead or something. I don't know. That was kind of the assumption. And it was very like I was very off putting to her. Yeah. So anyway, ever since then, of course, you know, I've been like making sure that I say something to her because, you know, the riffraff, you know, wants to like, you know, poke the sticks. Anyway, so I saw her on the elevator and I made sure that I turned around and said, really nice job on the momnibus bill, Kim. Nice. And, <laughs> and she was like, well, thank you. You know, she's very formal. So anyway, I wanted you all to know that I was very bipartisan today. And that she'll be getting off the bill tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, a broke clock clocks right twice a day. So anyway, uh, nice job, Mosier, on that bill. But um, I wanted to talk to you. I know I've not seen pre-K. For some reason, they're convinced that, you know, that it's we're teaching little kids how to, you know, do algebra in pre-K. Um, and you know, let's just be honest, pre-K would help a lot with our working moms. Yeah. Um, so any, uh, any chance that we can at least get transportation bumped up to the hundred percent funding that it needs to be, at least we're getting to 80 and 90. I noticed on the budget, a hundred percent is what they're really supposed to be funding. Uh, yeah. any chance of that and any chance that we could slide in pre-K at all, or even get seat bumped up a little bit more. Four percent is just not cutting it. No, uh, I am hopeful on all of those things. I will remain hopeful until we take that last vote on probably the very last day. Um, however, um, you know, I don't know. It's it, it's hard. It, it I just can't really fathom why they are so so against universal pre-K unless it's just that the governor has seems to want it so badly and they just don't want to give him that win. Um, but let's be honest, that's not a win for the governor. That's a win for the people of Kentucky. It's a win for our working families. It's a win for our children. It's a, it's a, it's just a win all the way around. So while we're not doing it, it's just really beyond me because we have the money. Let's be honest. We have the money. Um, but back to something that you talked about in school transportation, I want to be sure that everyone knows that 
we are statutorily required to fully fund school transportation. And you have to go all the way back to 2004 to find the last time that we fully funded transportation. That is one of those notwithstandings that has come to be commonplace in our budget and it's terrible. We see what has happened. I mean, we are talking underfunding transportation by millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so many of the problems that we have seen um, could have been easily avoided by this. You know, I know that there are some busing issues that we that cannot be solved with money, but a lot of them could have been solved with the money that we have not been giving to transportation. Um, it has been lower. So the 80% um, is actually higher than it's been in a long time, but that's still not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, we want more. We're going to definitely push for more. I believe that the governor's office will push for more. I am very hopeful. You know, I suspect that we'll pass that out of the house pretty quickly. I don't know for sure, but A&R will meet again on Tuesday. I sit on A&R, so I will not be surprised if we... Um, you know, I think that it's very possible we'll hear it on Tuesday and pass it out then of the House either on Tuesday or on Wednesday. And then it's going to go over to the Senate and it's going to sit there until yeah. March, maybe even April. Yeah. Um, and but I think that what we have seen traditionally happens is it comes back from the Senate looking drastically different. Mm -hmm. And then it will go into a conference committee where it's going to come out and look drastically different yet again. So I am still hopeful that there are some of those issues that Nima just talked about can be resolved and that we can get those into the budget. Um, the SEEK formula we know is not cutting it. We are all very, very disappointed that there was um, no separate funding for teacher raises. Um, we know that what we are seeing within the SEEK formula, we saw exactly what happened last time. It doesn't matter how much they encourage uh, superintendents and districts to be sure that the money, the added SEEK money goes to raises. There's no guarantee that that will happen. And without an absolute mandate. We are not going to get to a guaranteed minimum uh, teacher salary for, you know, across the state. And that's horrible. If we really want to recruit the best and, and the brightest and then retain those people, that is something that we have to do. We are seeing a lot of other states do it. And we know that the Kentucky GOP loves to talk about how we need to be like other states. So-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that. And so we need to do it too. So while we're not doing that right now, um, it's kind of questionable to, to be really honest. Um, but in looking at, at, at their budget in comparison to the governor's budget, obviously, once again, he put forward a very education first budget. And in the house budget, we see um, no universal pre-K. There's no money for textbooks. There's no teacher PD. Um, there's the no mandated raises um, for teachers or school personnel. You know, we want everybody in our school system from the custodians and the cafeteria workers uh, to to the teachers to to get a raise. These people are doing the Lord's work. Y'all, I cannot imagine going to work every day in a school right now. My mama did it for 28 years and you couldn't pay me enough. So those of you that do it, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. We appreciate you. And we need to be paying you a whole lot more. Um, but, you know, we also see it, it's so funny with the universal pre-K. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of 
switching around a little bit here, but as the thoughts are, are flooding in my head, um, it would have helped so much because we all know that those federal childcare funding dollars are about to come to an end. So if we had done the universal pre-K, then that would take care of all of those four-year-olds and that would then open all of those slots up for more, um, you know, uh, zero to three-year-olds, which would have been um, great. We would get many more moms back into the workforce. Um, you know, we keep hearing about nobody wants to work, but we're not making things any easier. And so when those federal dollars stop and they're stopping very, very soon, um, the budget does not include very many dollars to go toward that. Um, we're, we're not backfilling what was coming down from the feds. And that's just going to be a real problem. We're going to see a lot of child care facilities close and we're going to see families um, start having to pay a whole lot more out of their pockets. And it's just bad news all the way around. So again, that universal pre-K um, is just a magic bullet in a lot of ways for us. So it's really, really unfortunate that it was not in the House budget. So I'm, I'm very hopeful that the Senate has something different to say about that. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, definitely another thing you could contact your senator about would be those issues and those funding opportunities, because as you know, as the representative noted, we can afford it right now. We, can. You know, we are flush. We have resources. We don't need to be austere and cut things to the bone just so we can return uh, more money, tax dollars to rich people. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one quick check in and we're gonna let you go. What's the, what's the price uh, you're in house leadership, uh, in the, you know, the, the minority, uh, caucus, uh, share, right. That's true. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, and what is, uh, what are the priorities of the minority party these days? Like what are the Democrats trying to get done with in the house this, uh, this session? Well, you know, uh, uh, so much just rests in this budget. So we are trying every way that we can to get, um, things that were left out that were in the governor's, uh, get those pushed, put back in. Um, you know, once again, state parks got left out. I mean, the, the list is as long as my leg of things that were not included. Um, so we're, we're just very much focused on that and trying to see what we can do there in the house, but also working, um, on Senate as well, since we think that theirs is going to look a lot different. Um, obviously education is just a huge piece for us, but we all know that that constitutional amendment is coming. So we're going to be fighting really hard against that. Um, you know, healthcare, again, that omnibus bill, anything that we can do to increase quality um, care and access to care for Kentuckians is something that's really, really important to us. Obviously, um, workforce development, economic development is something that we are very interested in. Um, we, we want people to be able to go to work. People want to work. They just want to be treated fairly. They want to go to work in a place that's safe. They want to make a living wage. Um, and we just don't think that that's too much to ask. So that's something that's really a priority for all of us. Um, you know, and just protecting democracy in any shape and way that we can. So um, anything that comes up about elections, obviously we're going to, you know, have our ears perked up about that and be watching that since we have uh, a big election coming up this year, um, federally and on the state level. So, um, you know, we're, we're just, we're trying to be the watchdogs right now and be the loyal opposition. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned a few things I'd like to touch on really quickly before we let you go. So you mentioned their constitutional amendment coming. Tell us a little bit more about what that is and kind of why you anticipate it. 
Um, so Republicans before session started were basically everywhere in the media and saying this is coming. So um, as they have tried to pass all of the various charters and vouchers and educational savings accounts, you know, all, all of the hot button names that they're trying to come up with to make school choice look popular and like a good thing, um, as they keep trying to pass these, we are very, very, very fortunate that our Kentucky Constitution is extremely explicit in this manner. Most other states have not been as lucky as we have been that, that the Constitution is so clear. So when when those bills come up and they pass them and they get challenged in court, they have been going to our Kentucky Supreme Court and they have been losing most of the time 7-2-0 because our Constitution is so clear. So if they want to have charters, vouchers, anything like that of the sort, they are going to have to change the Kentucky Constitution. And we know the only way that they can do that is to put it to the voters. So um, they have been saying that there will be a, a, a constitutional amendment come forward. So what we will do is we will vote for it to be on the Ballot, and we do believe that that will be on the ballot in November. And um, there has been one filed already by Josh Calloway. Uh, I am hearing it is not the bill that will move. Um, that there's another one that will be coming. Um, that that will probably be the one that moves. Um, so you know we're gonna we're gonna fight a, a, against that. Obviously, we have tried to fight. Uh, as hard as we could against those bills. And unfortunately, they keep passing and passing. But thank God, um, the Supreme Court's been stopping those. But this is going to be their last ditch effort. So um, it's going to take absolutely all of us. I do believe that we can uh, beat it at the ballot box when we get out and we actually start talking about what this means. It means that public dollars would come out of the coffers from public education and go to funding private education. And that is not a popular idea. When they say, hey, do you want school choice? Obviously, people are like, yes, we love choice. But public schools are offering a lot of choice when you really start looking at it. Um, but obviously, school choice is not what they mean. They mean, hey, we want people to make money off of schools. We want for-profit K-12 through schools. And that is just something, again, our forefathers foresaw that that was a really terrible thing and they made it very, very explicit. So it's really interesting that uh, a lot of these liberty people who love the Constitution and they call themselves constitutionalists, you know, then want to keep changing the Constitution. Um, so that's where we are. Again, I don't think that it's going to be popular in what 116 of our counties. Our public schools are the largest employer in that county. We know that they are Public schools are the heart of those communities. Friday night lights and uh, basketball games and, and, and all that good stuff. Those are the major events in the counties and everybody comes out and it's it really strengthens our communities. You know, in, uh, Nima and I both grew up in eastern Kentucky and basketball, man, is where it's at. You know, it didn't matter if you had a kid play it or not. Everybody was there. It's a really big deal. Um, and I think when push comes to shove, um, people will know that this is not the best thing for our kids. This is not the best thing for education as a whole. It is not the best thing for Kentucky. Um, if we really want to want progress here, then we have to have strong public schools. We know that when um, companies start looking at Kentucky as a possible place to relocate, and we want all of those companies to come here and bring their jobs, they want us to have really strong public schools. And, um, People are fighting like heck to, to do away with them. They're fighting 
every day to tear them down, to disparage them in any and every way that they can. And uh, as I tell everybody all the time, it's the, it's the hill that I will die on and our caucus is in lockstep. We are solid on this issue. We are not going to let it happen. That's awesome. Well, glad to know uh, that, you know, you're, you're there, you're watching what's happening uh, and you're fighting for uh, what's important for our Commonwealth. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us this evening. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for all you do to kind of make the system as transparent and as accountable as possible, including coming on this show whenever we ask, which uh, is, is wonderful. Uh, and yeah, so uh, have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of the session. I'm sure we'll Thank check you back all. in with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank, Thank you all so much. Awesome. All right. So that's a representative Sherilyn Stevenson uh, from the Mighty 88, the Democratic Minority Caucus Chair. Uh, we're going to move into our call to action. We got a little bit long. Uh, so we're going to do a call to action and then uh, Kimberly uh, will close out the show. But this is an important one. We've kind of teased it three times, I think. Uh, this is uh, some alert, an alert we're borrowing from our partner, KFTC, uh, a really important issue that is, you know, that is going to be brought up. Uh, tomorrow uh, and is going to require your calls. Uh, so HB5, uh, we need to deliver safe and affordable housing. We need to stop criminalizing the unhoused. HB5, as we've heard, is a sweeping criminalization bill that would make Kentuckians, especially people who are unhoused, more unsafe. The bill includes stiffer penalties for several categories of offenses, allowing business owners to assault someone suspected of shoplifting, a ban on street camping, preventing the use of federal funds to go toward permanent housing for unhoused Kentuckians if such initiatives lack behavioral and rehabilitative requirements. So please do call, uh, leave a message for members of the House Judiciary Committee, the House Leadership, uh, and your representative. Very simple, oppose HB5. That is uh, the message. The number is right there on the screen, 1-800-372-7181, 1-800-372-7181. Call right now. Maybe not right now. If you're watching live, don't call right now because the line is closed. But I think it's like 8.30 to 5.30 or something that it's open. Uh, again, nicest humans you'll ever talk to. They are, they're absolutely wonderful when you call at 1-800-372-7181. This is not a telethon. You're not going to make a donation. You're just going to tell them, stop HB5. I oppose HB5. And again, who are you going to call? Leave that message for your representative, the House Judiciary Committee, and House Leadership. That's who you want to send that message to. So uh, please do do that. Uh, do that ASAP. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, and it's business hours, hit pause right now and make that phone call. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's do that. Let's show the public uh, uh, a strong, uh, is it strongly united in opposition to criminalizing homelessness? All right, that's it. Uh, all right, uh, Kimberly, Kimberly, can you close us out on this fine, fine episode? Yes, sir, I sure can. Uh, what a great show tonight. Um, I noticed that Mr. Sandy Downs, he gave us a great and wonderful compliment for tonight. Thank you so much, Sandy, for that. Cheryl Lynn, I mean, Stevenson, she is like the bomb.com. So I learned a lot from her tonight, and I'm sure that everyone else did too. But disclaimer is Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State as a 501c4. We are affiliated with the Indivisible Project and CAVE known as the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement. And we're also proud members of Forward Kentucky Network. 
our goal here at Progress Kentucky is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Next week, we'll be joined by another wonderful guest, uh, Jason Bailey of the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy. Um, they've been heading up an effort for a more humane budget. In stark contrast to the GOP budget unveiled this week, we'll hear from Jason about the need for investments in our state as opposed to hoarding resources in order to further cut taxes for the wealthy. Uh, the production of this episode was by uh, our very own Annabelle Nagel, and it episode 145. How you like that? Big thanks to Nate Orshan. Uh, check out the music uh, that he produced and wrote. You can hear more of his songs on natosongs.com, natosongs.com. Then also, if you miss us, catch us on any streaming platform, I promise you, will be on there. And make sure when you're giving out a review, give us a five. You know how the algorithm thing works. We're trying to get, you know, we're trying to level up, okay? So uh, logo and some graphic content was provided by Couchfire Media, and that's couchfiremedia.com. And today is Wednesday. You know the deal's hump day. You made it through half of the week. Only got two days left. Do something nice for someone. Not only will you feel good, it would make that person feel great. So same time, same channel next week. We'll see you then. Have a great rest of your week.